listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your friendly guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, and guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listeners' submitted emails and calls. I will read the questions, and Eric will try to answer them. I'll try. You know, it's been a tradition. How long has this podcast been going? Five years Almost or so? Six. Yeah. At the end of every October, we traditionally do a horror stories episode. Mm-hmm. And this year is no exception. I would love to do another one. Um. I think we were a little light on stories last year, but uh, I would love to do another horror story episode. So if you have a guitar repair horror story or a um, any kind of a guitar nightmare story to tell us, maybe the worst repair you've ever seen or the, the most damaged guitar you've ever seen or uh, the uh, craziest thing that happened to your guitar. The most rude luthier you've ever been to yeah anything like that any kind of a horror story related to guitars or guitar repair uh would be great i that's it's it makes it a fun makes it a fun thing the more people participate so please do send in your your stories you can do that at ericdaw.com just click the contact link and you can send in your your story there or you can if you want to leave a voicemail you can call 757-774-8482, and we'll get those horror stories at the end of the month. I've already got a couple, so I I know we're going to have an episode. Rad. Uh, I just don't know how how many horror stories we'll get. Hopefully we get a lot. Yeah, If If we don't get enough, maybe I'll dig in the vault and pull up a couple classics and put them in. That's a good idea. Yeah, it'd be fun. Cool. Uh, I want to remind everybody, we do have shirts for sale, Fret Files podcast shirts. And stickers. Yep. You can get those on... Can you get them at fretfiles.com? I don't think you can. Uh, can I think you? there's a Is there link, a link that says shirts, <clears throat> and it takes you to my uh, Etsy site. There you go. So fretfiles.com, there's a link. You can buy shirts. You can buy stickers. There's also pin-up custom guitar shirts and Melco leather shirts. Yeah, there, we have two Melco leather shirts. And stickers. Yeah. So... 
there's that. And uh, we, I, I almost never talk about this, but we do accept donations for help with all the costs associated <laughs> with uh, with hosting this website. Yeah. And I mean the physic, the physicality of hosting it on a server. You know, the uh, you don't the, mean the wine the web, that we're drinking, the web hosting, and the um. If you want to the buy domain, us all that jazz, a bottle of wine, and the only reason I I I mention this is because our buddy Bruce just sent in a donation, and uh, it re- I I had forgot that we take donations. Oh, thanks, but, Bruce. Yeah, so Bruce, thanks for the donation. It really does help. I mean, it's it's not cheap to to put a free podcast on. Right, right. It's not exorbitantly expensive either, but it's not. It ain't free. It ain't free, yo. Anyhow, that's what's going on around here. It's just not much. Uh, what's going on with you? What are you working on? Uh, I just took two custom orders, despite that I don't take custom orders right now. Uh, so I'm working on that. It's a Christmas present, and I don't know if the uh, recipient listens to the podcast, so I I can't say what yeah, they Yeah, you are. don't want to spill the beans. Yep. yep, but it's two matching guitar straps. I have a, a a post on Instagram that went crazy viral. It's you going to talk about that again? Well, I just wanted to say it's over a hundred thousand views. Wow! Isn't that weird? That is weird. That's a lot, right? Doesn't that seem like a lot? It seems like a lot to me. Anyway, the, I I just thought about that while you were talking. Is that Obviously, <laughs> I wasn't listening to you. I only think about myself while you're talking. But uh, I I did want to mention this. So here's this is this is um our buddy Mike. Mike Kolb, uh, on uh, Instagram. This is regarding my Instagram post about vintage dovetail Martin neck joints versus the Taylor bolt-on neck joint. Mike Kolb says, I believe the Taylor neck joint is better because there's more actual wood-to-wood contact. It's all math. The area between the neck and the dovetail, where the steam goes, on a standard dovetail joint, reduces the actual wood-to-wood contact area to the sides of the dovetail only, other other than the fingerboard extension, which they both share. I was a doubter for a long time, but having done both and examining the contact area, not to mention playing the instruments, has made me a firm believer, not to mention the ease of the job resetting a Taylor neck. Now, if only I could find a good source for the Taylor angled shims. That's from Mike Kolb. So Mike, you're... Are you about to tell us why he's wrong? Well, no, I just disagree, but it's not that one of us is wrong. Um, I uh, I do agree with him that the ease of resetting a tailor neck sure is nice. I mean, you talk to me on a Monday morning before I've had my coffee and ask me which one I want to do. I definitely would rather do a, a tailor. Right. They're easier. Um, but the surface area, I think, is probably kind of comparable. I mean, if, you know... If you think about it, um, on a tailor, there's no there's no contact on the on the sides of a where a dovetail would be, right? So the actual surface area is probably about the same. It's just that they contact in different places. So um, plus, you know, the, a dovetail is a nice tight joint, and with hide glue, man, that is that's good contact. Where with a tailor, you've got a butt joint with some shims and some screws. I don't know if I, I don't know if that's really a better point of contact. I, I don't know. It's all apples and oranges anyway, though, because people are going to like Martins or Taylors 
Right. Whether you... Regardless of the neck right. joint construction. Right. Right. People gravitate towards one or the other. Uh, and it doesn't have anything to do with really how the neck is put on. So it, I guess it's right. all... It's, it's all, all just taste. It's all apples and oranges. But I just thought that was an interesting conversation. Cool. Thanks for uh, thanks for unknowingly contributing to the podcast, Mike. <laughs> do we have any calls? We do. Should we take some? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. Let me cue it up here. Let's go. Oh, yeah. We just do this. Hi, Eric and Melissa. It's Ben here again from the UK. Um, thanks for answering the question about getting wax out of pickups. I'm going to give that a try with my son. Um, in answer to your question, uh, Mexican, <laughs> Mexican tellies. And Mexican fenders are, are not really considered that exotic in the UK. Um, <laughs> I didn't think so. I think I think we see them in much the same way you do. But I've had it since the 90s when I was younger and more poor. Um, yeah. I had another question about um, wiring up tone controls. Um, the guitar used to have a TBX tone circuit in it, but I've taken that out and I've put in a standard um, 250K pop. Uh, and I've got a couple of caps that I'm trying out. I was just wondering how you wire them, because I know the, the 50s and the 60s wiring is different to the, the the way that their standard wiring is on tone pots on Telecasters now. I was just wondering what your preferences were for um, for the wiring and and why. And in terms of tips for homeschooling, uh, try and get some sleep <laughs> <laughs> and um, try... Not to lose your mind. Um, <laughs> there we go. That's not very specific, but hopefully it's helpful. It is very. Thank you. Uh, and relax. Anyway, uh, thanks again for the podcast. It's great. I know you're busy and um, really appreciate it. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for the call. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was. I was just joking about the Mexican fenders, but yeah, I assumed. <laughs> I assumed that, but it just. It, I just thought it was a funny thought. Yeah. Uh the uh on on wiring fenders, on wiring telecaster tone circuits, the really early ones are wired kind of silly and it's a rare person that likes the way those are wired. Um post 67 or what they call, you know, modern wiring, they changed it in 1967 to what what we now think of as a is Telecaster wiring. And that's the way I prefer it. I think that's what you're talking about. Um, there are a couple different ways to do that post-67 uh, wiring. You know, <clears throat> you can either... You can either short out one the, one side of the uh, tone pot, one, the, you know, one lug of the tone pot, and then put the capacitor between the volume and, and tone pot, or you can run a wire between the volume and tone pot and then run the cap from a lug to ground. So it's it's not really a, diff, a big sonic difference whether you wire it that way or not, but um, definitely a bigger fan of the modern wiring. I do prefer a .015 capacitor. I feel like anything bigger than that just runs way too much tone off to ground a 0.022 is okay but man anything more than that and you roll the tone down and it just sounds like you you put your amp in the bottom of a hole and that's where i keep my amp put blankets on top of it gotta keep it warm yeah anyhow thanks for the call i, th I think we have another call here cool 
Hey, Eric, this is Mike in Chicago. Um, loved your description of the five-way switch that you put in Telecasters. Quick question. Um, that extra sound you're talking about, that sort of simulates a strat sound, you said you route the output of one pickup through a capacitor and into the next pickup. Um, I remember reading once about a Bill Lawrence schematic where he, I think he had a sound that he called the half-out-of-phase sound, and I remember it being something about uh, a capacitor being used in series in, in the signal path. So um, I guess I was just curious, is, is, that, is what you do related to that? Is that kind of the same thing or something different? Or um, Just curious. So thanks for everything you're doing, and um, talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, you know, this is I, I've I've had this mentioned to me a few times now, and I I swear I did not know that this was a thing. Uh, I I discovered this um, tone circuit on my own through experimentation about ten years ago, and apparently other and you know I I didn't think I was I didn't assume I was the first person to do it, but I didn't know about any other. I didn't know anything else, right. you know, of anything else. Right. I'm sure it had been done before. But, yeah, it, from your description, it sounds very, very similar. Uh, I use both pickups. They're in a series, and they're out of phase, but there's a capacitor in there to um, basically bring back in some of the, the base frequencies, you know. Yeah. So, because if they're true, if when you've got truly out of phase pickups, it's a very nasal sound, which I like. But it's nice to have a little bit of the bass brought back in, so it's kind of like half out of phase. So that's it. Sounds exactly like what I, what I've done. There's a few different wiring uh, schematics that I've that I use. Someday I ought to tell you about my crazy strat wiring. I cannot wait. I. It's crazy. I'm very excited for that. I really am working on, I know I've mentioned this several times on the podcast, I really am working on a schematic book. I've got about three or four, maybe five schematics drawn up out of wow. 20, out of like 20. But I'm so busy fixing guitars, I don't have time to do this, you know? <laughs> but eventually, one of these days, I'm going to have like a 20-page booklet on off-the-wall ways to wire your fender, basically. And it'll be an ebook that you sell. Yeah, I'm, uh, or maybe a little pamphlet, you know. Okay, cool. All my crazy schemes. Other people have figured it out. I, I didn't know. <laughs> I swear, I swear, I did not know that this existed elsewhere. But I, you know, yeah, it sounds like exactly what I've been doing. So, thank you for the call. That was uh, Mike in Chicago. Cool. Absolutely. Shall we take some uh, some emails here? Yes, we should. Alrighty. <laughs> I see the Walter Becker guitar auction has a pinup custom guitar named Olivia up for grabs. What can you tell us about working with Steely Dan's Walter Becker? That's from Don. <clears throat> mm. Well, not much, actually. I uh, I mean, he bought one of my guitars, but I didn't spend a whole lot of time with him. Uh, great guy. Uh, amazing player. I mean, really an underrated player. That guy, oh, yeah. That, that guy is, is a monster player. The biggest thing I remember about that whole transaction was he got the guitar back to his, you know, like, studio or what, wherever he keeps his gear, or wherever he kept his gear. And uh, I heard back that his he, he had a couple of guitar techs who couldn't wait to dig into it. They wanted to, like, take it apart and see how I wired it because it had the, this crazy five-way 
switch that like we talked about on the last call. Uh-huh. Two different out of phase settings uh, and the three normal Telecaster settings. And his text could not wait to open it up and try to try to figure out how I wired it. And uh, Walter told them, no, don't touch it. Don't open it. Don't change it. Don't look at it. Don't back engineer <laughs> it. I, it's perfect how it is. I don't want you to mess with it. So that's the only story I have about that. That's a cool story. Though. Yeah. Well, you know, I I was I was humbled. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. And uh, uh, he he likes my guitars enough to buy one. And and I was I you know I was absolutely humbled by that. That was awesome. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah. A few questions for the podcast. Number one: Since my move from a house in Seattle to an apartment on the East Coast. <clears throat> Regular lacquering of guitars isn't an option anymore. It's usually too humid to lacquer outdoors, even during the summer. I've been thinking about trying shellac and was wondering if shellac can also be artificially aged like nitro. Uh, can you lacquer, check it, etc.? And if so, is there a difference between shellac you can buy at Home Depot or fancy online stores? Mm, let's take these one at a time. Okay. Shellac is a wonderful finish. Uh there's a few things I really like about it. Um, it's a natural finish. It uh, I know we've talked about this before. It comes from the... It's a resin created by the lac beetle. Yeah. I mean, it's a completely natural finish. They've been, they've used it for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Mm-hmm. You um, dissolve it in denatured alcohol. And so, consequently, it's a much less toxic finish to use. Uh, way less toxic than like a, a lacquer or a... Or a poly. There's there's not near as much nasty chemicals. It's just lac resin and denatured alcohol. Right. So as an aerosolized finish, it's actually a a, a much more um, user friendly finish. It it it's not going to poison everybody within a quarter mile like la- right. like lacquer does. Anyhow, um, that being said, and and it and it's it's a nice finish to work with. Uh, it has kind of a nice look to it a little different than than lacquer it's not as durable quite it's a little tiny bit softer finish and consequently it does not check it does not do it does not get weather checking uh like lacquer does hmm. uh, i know because i've tried i i really like lacquer and i wanted to paint all my guitars or shellac and I wanted to paint all my guitars in shellac when I started making guitars 12 years ago or 15 years ago however long ago it was but uh no it it can't be artificially aged unless you wanted to do the really artificial aging like with a razor blade oh okay which some people do and some people are really good at it I mean they, they can yeah some people can really do a convincing job of it but it's the rare guy that can do that. Most blade checking looks, <clears throat> to me, uh, horribly fake. So, well, there you go. So yeah, it can't really be uh, it can't really be aged like lacquer. And and there is a difference between shellac that you get at like Home Depot. Um, that stuff there's uh, they add stuff to it to make it shelf stable. And to my knowledge, it's not de-waxed. You want to get de-waxed shellac, and so the stuff you get um, in in flakes is is much better to use. You dissolve it in denatured alcohol, and it's 
it's a better product. Hmm. And you can get it in they they have it in its its natural state is it kind of an amber, beautiful amber color. Uh-huh. Uh so you can get it that way or you can get it kind of bleached, I guess. They can remove the color somehow. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Uh number 2, what's the story behind you giving all your guitars female names? I remember Jay saying that you name them with names of women that played an important role in your life, but you must be <laughs> at guitar 150 plus by now. I mean, yeah, it started out that way. Um, funny enough, they did start out that way. Like I named them, you know, like all of my ex-girlfriend's names were used, and I think I used my my mother's name and my grandmother's names. And but uh, after about guitar number, you know, fifteen or twenty, you start running out of names like that. So right. I just name them like a like you know names. I just name them names, random names. Some, a lot of them that. I've been making lately are custom ordered and then uh, people will request a name like, hey, can you name it Samantha or whatever? Right. But uh, no, it's really not anything other than it just it just goes hand in hand with my campy pinup girl theme. There you go. Yeah. Cool. And number three, I get this question a lot since some boutique pickup builders are now starting to offer mostly PAF style pickups with unoriented Alnico 5 magnets. What is your opinion on those? These these are all from Sebastian. Yeah. From yeah, sorry, from Sebastian. Thanks Sebastian. Uh he makes great pickups by the way. Vintage inspired pickups. Check those out. Uh my opinion on unoriented Alnico 5 magnets, I don't really have much of an of an opinion on those. There there's been a lot of talk on forums and on the internet about about oriented versus unoriented uh, Alnico bar magnets. And the difference is um, oriented magnets are ca- they're, they're all cast so they're, they're it's, it's molten metal that's poured into a cast, mm-hmm. right? So it's cast and with an oriented magnet they <clears throat> Um, they cool. They let it cool in a magnetic field, so it orients the um, oh, okay. the molecular structure of the material in a certain way. Unoriented, they just pour it in a cast and it cools, so that the it's not oriented any certain way. So, if it's oriented a certain way, then you magnetize it that way. It will actually be a stronger magnetic field, um, and uh, supposedly will. Uh, be a more permanent magnet. Hmm. So, sonically, what's the difference? I just don't know. I couldn't tell you. I haven't experimented with it. I don't know. I don't know what they used in PAFs. There's been a lot of back and forth about were original PAFs oriented magnets or unoriented Alnico, and I I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if anybody has ever definitively said it's one of those really like geeky like yeah you know, obsessive, compulsive uh, uh, things that guys get into that I just never did because, first of all, this almost only pertains to uh, humbucker pickups, which I'm just not a humbucker pickup guy. Right. And uh, I just try to get good Alnico, and I am generally ordering rods, which are oriented. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Sebastian. 
Hello, Eric and Melissa. I am an amateur guitarist with a strong desire to get into doing repair and modification work on guitars. I found the podcast earlier this year and have almost (coughs) made it up to the date on the back catalog. Thanks so much for putting together such an informative and entertaining show. I have learned so much from listening. I have been studying Dan Erlewine and Hideo? Hideo. Hideo Kamamoto. My, My man, Hideo Kamamoto. And Hideo Kamamoto's books recently, and I have put together a pretty nice starting tool kit for setup work. Good. Eric, I was hoping you might be able to give me your advice on what path I might take in growing my skill set in regards to repair work. From the reading I have done so far, it makes sense to start with setups and basic adjustments. After that, I'm assuming that nut and saddle work as well as fret work should follow. After that, what order would I add new repair skills? I I appreciate your time and look forward to any advice you have to offer. Thanks so much to both of you and keep up all the hard work you are doing. Cheers from Mark in Port Hope, Ontario. Cheers to you, Mark. Thank you. I uh, apologize. I didn't have... Is this a repeat question? Did this already make it to the podcast? I don't think so. And somehow I've uh, duplicated it? I don't think so. I I swear I answered this. I don't think so. Maybe I Maybe I did it in a dream. You know, I I dream about this podcast sometimes. Sorry, it's true. The best podcasts you never hear they're they're done in, in my <laughs> dreams, and they are they actually do turn out really good. Yeah, but uh, I'm you sure. know the the real ones aren't quite up to Am I the in... standard of my dreams. No, in my dreams I'm doing the podcast with Bridget Bardot. Oh, yeah. So which is very close to you. Thanks. You're actually like a doppelganger. But thanks, Eric. Thinks I look like Bridget Bardot. Uh, I don't think that i just i I have eyes and i can tell (laughs) that you do thanks you do uh i'm just joking about having dreams about doing a podcast with bridget what else do you do with bridget bardo just podcasts (laughs) just guitar centric podcasts that's all okay what should he do after fretwork uh i think that the natural path is going to open up to you as as problems present themselves um what i would do would be to find problematic guitars you know i mean i don't know about you but i'm tripping over them uh i mean that you'll find them if you look if if you look you'll find them go to thrift stores go to pawn shops get one for a hundred bucks 40 bucks whatever um you'll find them because that's where problem guitars end up right we, you know, I work upstairs in the shop and Eric works downstairs and we have a landing on the stairs, you know, where it turns. And right now you cannot get to my shop because of all the guitars that Eric has stuffed up there. Yeah, there are a lot of guitars up in there. Not going to move them, are you? Well, I'm fixing them one by one. <clears throat> I'm out of places to put guitars. By the way, if you're thinking about sending me a guitar to repair, why, <laughs> why don't you wait until maybe the first of the year, okay? Or Never. Just contact me first. You know, people, some people actually send me stuff without really contacting me first. Wow. It's amazing. And you're like, what? what is this? Yeah. Or maybe I just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they did email me. Uh, no, but contact me. I, I'm drowning in work, guys. It's it's a good problem to have, but it's true. Uh Anyhow, regards in regards to Mark in Port Hope, Ontario, 
I don't know how easy it is to find problematic guitars in Ontario, but I'll tell you what, it's it's pretty simple around here, bub. I would just let it take a natural path, man. I mean... Just find a guitar that needs work and fix it? Find guitars that need work, and you're going to practice your skills that way. Um, the other thing about it is if, if there's something you want to do, if, if fret work is what you want to do next, then then do that. You know, I mean, let it follow a natural path. I don't think there's any set way that you should do it. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. That makes sense. Yeah. Should we take a break? Yes, indeed. Thanks for the question, man. We'll be right back. Hi, Liz here from Emerald City Guitars, located in the heart of historic Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle, Washington. We are one of the world's premier vintage guitar shops going strong for over 22 years. Specializing in the most rare, the funkiest, and most collectible vintage and pre-owned electric guitars, acoustic guitars, amplifiers, and more. We cater to anyone and everyone from the guy next door to collectors and famous rock stars. Not only do we pay top dollar for used gear, we also offer trade-ins and consignment. We also have in-house repair and offer free appraisals. We have a variety of social media accounts that we post our goods daily. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at EC Guitars. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and see our daily episodes of the featured Guitar Pick of the Day and Reality of Emerald City Guitars shows. Give us a call to chat in person at 206-382-0231 and visit our online store at www.emeraldcityguitars.com. Hi, Eric. Thank you for the great podcast. It Hi is, there. It has made my daily commute to work such a delight. Keep up the good work. My question concerns my vintage 1953 Fender Telecaster that has always felt much stiffer when bending strings compared to other old tellies that I own or have had the chance to play. I use 10-gauge strings on all my tellies in pretty much the same setup, but for some reason, the 53 seems to fight me the most. You may want to know that the guitar was refretted with a slightly taller vintage style fret and professionally set up by a well-respected luthier and builder over here not long ago because the original frets were in rough shape. I hope that a little TLC would solve the problem, but it did not. Any ideas what might make a difference? Thank you for your help. Best, Jan in Hamburg, Germany. Oh, he's, uh, he's, he's one of my customers. Oh, cool. Hi, Jan. Thanks, brother. Uh, here's what you need to do. He's got a 1953 Fender Telecaster that feels stiff. I think what you need to do is just give it to me. I think you need to send it to me. Yeah, it and is. Let a, me take it. It is. Uh, you know how when you total your car, you just <laughs> just write it off. Yeah, it's, just send it to us. Um, I, I I wish I could. I wish I could look at it because I feel like I could tell you so much more if I could kind of inspect it in person, but. Um, the fact that it has slightly taller frets will make it feel a little stiffer, uh, which, as you know, if, as soon as I've said that, I think, well, that does it, I don't know if it really does or if it's just more of a perception, you know, like it's a perceived stiffness right. because the frets are taller. What I would tell you is, uh, get the neck as straight as you can. You might have a little relief in it right now. Um, put a straight edge on it if you've got a good straight edge. 
and look, you know, rest it on the first fret and then at the last fret, if you've got a straight edge that's that long, and look and see in the middle of the neck if there's a little bit of gap. Try to try to get that neck as straight as possible. That's how I've found uh, fenders like to play best, with the neck as, as straight as possible. If you have to put a little bit of relief in it to make it play cleanly, then do that, but get the neck as as flat, as straight as possible with the truss rod. You know, tighten up the truss rod so it's straight. Um, if it's buzzing at, like, the nut and the first fret, then you've gone too far. Right. But get it as, as straight as possible, and uh, that's the best advice I can give you. Um, other, th- I mean, he's using 10s. I, yeah. I would almost never tell you to go down to 9s. I guess you could try it. Hmm. I guess you could try that. Uh, plenty of great players use light strings. I mean, Billy Gibbons uses like 7s or 8s. Something wow. crazy light. Crazy light. Doesn't he have like action a mile high too? Yeah, he does. That's that's a problem. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my guess is you've got too much relief in the neck. If this is without C in it, so I don't know. I just don't know. But I hope that helps, man. I really do. Thanks for the question. Greetings, Daw Power Couple. Wow. Are we a power couple? No. Hope you two are enjoying the chilly days of autumn. Not really. Eric, sometimes we are our own worst critics, and you were especially hard on yourself about the AMP episode. I wanted to point out some positive points. Oh, how about this? This is beautiful. Number one, the change in speakers was enlightening, and only your format would have revealed that. Hey. Number two, Skip and Jason don't create demos. That's not their thing, but it is your thing. I like the capacitor <laughs> test and my favorite, the lipstick pickup shootout. Well, that's cool. Yeah, we d- we haven't done that many demos, but we've we've done a few, and it's cool. We should um, do more. I guess so. Cool. I don't know what else. If yeah, if there's any demos anybody wants to hear, but it's not like I mean a lot of there's a lot of podcasts that do that kind of thing, like pedal shootout. Like, you know, yeah, I don't want to do that, but I don't know. It's it's fun. These are nice. These are nice and yeah. constructive. And here's the other thing. I I wasn't really I mean, it might have sounded like I was especially hard on myself, but sometimes I exaggerate for effect, right? Right. I didn't really care. And, and I think what you should learn about Eric is that he doesn't really care about much of anything. I do. I care about getting guitars right, and I care about my family. Outside of that, <laughs> I don't really care about anything. Notice the the priorities there. The guitars came before the family. Well, this is a guitar-oriented podcast. If it were a family-oriented podcast. Then we're... guitars would have been second. <laughs> Absolutely second to <Okay>. family. <laughs> Number three. Nat was fine for his first time on the show. He is your amp buddy and deserves a second chance on your special episodes. There you go, Nat. Nat's listening. Hey. Nat, we love you. Hey, Nat. Thanks for bringing us random stuff occasionally. Yeah. He likes to bring us beer, and it's great. And we like to go eat tacos. Yep. Nat's a good guy. Nat's our buddy. Yeah, and he did a great job on the AMP podcast, I thought. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't really an AMP podcast. It was just a... Yeah. And when yeah. I'm not feeling like doing the podcast, which... Which is often... <laughs> I'm Frankly, I'm not feeling... Why don't you and Nat do the podcast? That would be... 
And number four. Fascinating. Uh, I appreciate that you take chances and push yourself out of your comfort zone. Do what you find interesting and the rest will sort itself out. I think what you're sensing there is my boredom. It's not really... (laughs) <laughs> That's from Bruce in Seattle. Thanks, Bruce. Bruce thanks, that was buddy. really nice. Yeah. Guys, we once we're doing the podcast, it's great. We have yeah. fun. Oh yeah. We absolutely. have a blast. Yeah. Don't feel like we hate it. No. It's just that we are busy people and it's hard to make time. But it's fun to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do enjoy it. Yep. Thanks, Bruce. Hey guys, a long time listener, long time caller. Been a long time, though. Been a long, lonely, 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 lonely time. Sorry. Go ahead. You done? Please continue. Okay. Yes. I got a Gibson mahogany back and sides. I'm gluing the binding back on. First, it shrank a bit while it was off, about three sixteenths of an inch. Mm. I should be able to stretch it back out if I heat it up, right? Mm, Otherwise, maybe. I saw on the Frank Ford site. Ooh, Frank Ford's the best. Oh, man. Is, is that a person? He's cool. Uh, where he patched a section of binding by making a slurry with a piece of binding melted in acetone. That yep. doesn't sound good. It's true. Uh, it won't be yellow like the old binding, but I should be able to match it with a properly colored lacquer. Am I right? I guess I need a little confidence boosting from you guys. Yeah. Next, I'm using CA glue. It's filling gaps and working nicely, but I'll have to scrape it flat with the finish. And the finish will be flat in comparison to the sides and back's original gloss. Also, there's a few lacquer checks I'm filling and I'm leaving the f- I'm leaving fingerprints all over the place. I yeah. quickly learned that denatured alcohol is the wrong gentle solvent to be using on lacquer. Yeah. So, I've got some foggy spots to deal with too. When I'm done gluing and scraping, can I buff this old lacquer-checked guitar? What's the best way to do this? Thanks for being here for us. Signed, Dean, not trying to make more work for myself than I already have, from Bo. Oh, Dean from Bo. Bo, Washington. Yep. Small little town. Yep. Uh, no, you're, you're right on the money. You're bang on the money on the binding. I think you're doing a good job. I think you're doing it right. It sounds like you've got it under control. You can make a slurry, absolutely, just like Frank Ford said. You melt the binding in acetone, and then you can either add a little bit of dye to try to match the binding, or you put it on white and then match it with a properly ambered lacquer. Absolutely. Cool. You can do it, Dean. I hereby boost your confidence. Uh, with the um, CA glue, <clears throat> yeah, you scrape it flat, uh, but then... You know, CA glue polishes up beautifully. Rad. Yeah, you can fine sand that, wet sand it with like, I don't know, whatever you need to do, 600, 800, 1200, Mm -hmm. um, and then use a polishing compound, and that'll polish up to a high gloss. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, CA glue is great for uh, little finish touch-ups that you have to do, so... Yeah, it absolutely will polish up great. Yeah. What else did he say? Uh, um, foggy spots. Oh, foggy. Can he buff the old lacquer checked guitar? What What is he supposed to do? When he's done gluing and scraping, can I buff this old lacquer checked guitar? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go nuts with it, but um, <clears throat> you want to be able to blend in you know, the spots you've worked on. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a, a, 
what is it called? Orbital buffer? Mm-hmm. It's a buffing pedestal buffer thing. Dean probably doesn't have one of those, but yeah, no, you can absolutely, you can buff it up and, uh, he's leaving fingerprints all over the place, like in the finish? I don't know. I was trying to figure that out, too. Yeah. Sand and buff, Dean. Sand and buff. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it, my man. What about the foggy spots? Uh, Sand and buff. Okay. Sand and buff, Dean. Send pictures. Pictures or it didn't happen, Dean. Okay. Good luck, Dean. You can do it. Hi, Eric. I love the show, but I just feel compelled to share that the very last note of the acoustic piece that you play on your podcast, the high harmonic note at the very end, is just a shade flat, and it drives me crazy every time I hear it. Wow. I wouldn't complain about such a thing normally. No, of oh, course really? not. Oh, really? You don't seem like the it's type un- to complain. Unlike, totally unlike you. But to end your entire podcast on a sour note is such a downer. Any chance you could humor me and fix it? That's from James in Arizona. James. You you obviously haven't listened to the podcast for long, James. You know, for every Bruce, <laughs> you get a James. It's just, that's just life. And you have to take the Bruces with the Jameses. There's nothing you can do about right. it, you know? Right. There's pleasant people, and then there's James. 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 I'm, I'm sorry the podcast ends on a sour note for you. You're no longer allowed to listen to the show, James. Here's what you should do, James. <clears throat> when you understand that part to be coming up, you just press stop. Here's what I've done for you, James. I I I took the I went and I found the master recording. You did not. And I put it into uh Audacity, into the uh audio software. And I made it really flat (laughs) i made it so sour that you are it's it's gonna irritate your ocd like i mean you're gonna need to up your meds probably by 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 a factor of four no i don't it's not even flat james it's not even you know this you got so inside my head i had to go listen to it it's not even flat i i don't know what you're talking about man i mean look it's it's okay maybe it's not maybe it's not perfect but what music is perfect what do we want to do we want perfect music is that what you want you really want perfect music performed by robots or do you want a guy like me pouring his heart out i wrote that piece i performed it like i probably 15 years ago it's an old recording i did the best i could maybe it was a little out of tune i don't know it it never bothered me and i have a pretty good ear I, I, I never, nobody else ever mentioned anything about it. Just James. Just you, buddy. No, I, I just included this question because I just, I want you guys to, I want you guys to understand what sometimes I have to deal with. James. <laughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> can you, <coughs> you brought on a Can you believe, <coughs> can you believe this? Can you believe this? It's not enough that I provide a free podcast for James to listen to. No, 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 no. It's not enough that I share my decades of expertise for free. You're really putting yourself out. Guys, I feel bad for James now. James, I'm on your. T- I'm on Team James. Hashtag Team James. James, we love you, but you're going to have to live with that flat note, buddy. It's just... Uh, and... And 
we're all friends sitting around a giant table. Campfire. Sharing a, sharing a drink. Whatever you drink, you drink beer, you drink hot chocolate, you drink water, you drink Coca-Cola. We don't let Pepsi drinkers in, though. We're all, we're, we're all dinging our glasses here like this. Can you, did you hear that? Hold on. Here is, that's what we're doing. And uh, sometimes we give each other a raft of shit. <laughs> now, I normally don't say that kind of thing on the podcast, but if somebody's going to write in a question like this, hey, buddy, I'm going to give you a hard time just for a minute, okay? And then we'll be friends again. And, but we're friends. We, we were friends before. We were friends during. We're friends after. But the bottom line is, just don't listen to that last note if it bothers you. That does it for the show. Thanks so much for participating, and uh, we hope that you will. Please write in your question. Go to ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and submit your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show, especially looking for horror stories for the next episode. So whatever horror story you've got to send in, send it on down. You can also call or text 757-774-8482, and uh, we'll use that as part of the show. Thanks for listening. Enjoy that last note, James. Good night.